The Brazilian Congress has finally approved a tax reform after decades of discussions. Boiled down, the reform merges multiple consumption taxes into two VAT-like levies, one at the local level and one at the federal level. It is by far the most consequential piece of legislation discussed in Congress this year, and it will have a massive impact on the Brazilian economy as a whole. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, I'm the editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report. This is Explaining Brazil. If you like Explaining Brazil, you should subscribe to the Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We are an independent organization funded by subscribers, and you can help us stay independent and continue producing award-winning journalism. And if you are already a subscriber, you can go the extra mile and join our Buy Me A Coffee fan page. In return, you can get exclusive perks like special newsletters and behind-the-scenes content as well as a shout-out here on our podcast. Today, I'd like to thank our Buy Me A Coffee members, Carson Allen, Gabriel Luca, Andre Novoseltsev, Penn Ludwig, Leslie Seal, Mark Hillary, Luis Hens, Erwin Menez, Aaron Berger, Kars Vresvik, Alasdair Townsend, Miller Renacido, Peter Abrahamson, Jim Awofadeju, David Dixon, José Jose Stankovic, Emerging Market Muser, Anna Lund, Peter Suffering, Anderson da Silva, and someone who chose to remain anonymous. And our Buy Me A Coffee members come from all over the world, so please, if we are butchering the pronunciation of your name, do send us an email. And if you too believe in the importance of independent journalism and want to hear your name on our podcast, go to buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report and subscribe to one of the membership tiers. Click on buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report to learn more. An average of 35 new tax rules are written daily in Brazil, making the effort of learning them all, let alone how to apply them, an inglorious and almost impossible task. It is not uncommon for those who pay taxes in Brazil not to know exactly what they're paying, and those who collect the taxes not to know what they are collecting. Even so, Brazil's Federal Revenue Service is ruthless, and it is nicknamed the Lion for its aggressiveness in finding possible collection errors. Brazil has several tax regimes at the federal, state and municipal levels, which often overlap. The country's notorious bureaucracy increases the cost of doing business in Brazil and stifles innovation. According to 2019 World Bank data, it takes an average of 1,500 hours per year, or 187 eight-hour workdays, to comply with Brazilian tax laws. But since last Friday, the hopes of making this madhouse a saner tax environment have come true. The House approved legislation reforming the tax code. And to discuss these changes, we invited Mário Sérgio Lima, a senior analyst at Medley Global Advisors and a columnist at the Brazilian Report. Mário, thanks for being here. Hi, Gustavo. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. 
So how old are you, Mario? I'm 40 years old. And how old were you the first time you heard that Brazil's tax code needed reform? Wow. Uh, I think uh, people are saying that it, this, this last, uh, it was uh, 30 years in the making. What I can tell you uh, is that uh, I have colleagues, uh, journalists here in, in Brazil, in Brasilia, that they said that they managed to, to get married and put, put their, their children from grad school to, sorry, from preschool to grad school, uh, all covering the failed attempts of uh, tax reform. So it, it has been a while in the making. And I know we say that a lot, but just how Byzantine is the Brazilian tax code? Can you give us an example? First of all, uh, you have a system that uh, it, it was made to be confusing. Because you have uh, state, you have municipal, and you have federal taxes, and a lot of those taxes uh, they have uh, you 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 use uh, to to define its own uh, tax bracket. You use other taxes as 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 a a way of calculating uh, your your the, these other tax brackets. You have uh, situations in which you you some 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 something is produced in one state, and as soon as it moves to another state, you have a huge uh, tax premium for another state. But at the same time, you can collect uh, tax credits from federal taxes when you do things. So it's like a, a complete miscal complete. Uh, chaos in which a lot of these times it it is it's being uh, argued in courts uh, either by by companies that that the few they that are they have been overcharged against the government or the government against the company because the government feels like they have been evading a lot of taxes uh, or even companies uh, disputing against themselves. So it is a chaotic mess. Uh, you, you can say that, that there are some uh, people who say that you, you, you waste, uh, company wastes uh, sometimes more than a thousand hours a year just to pay taxes. So it's, it, it's, it, it is a burden for the companies uh, as it is. So a tax reform that just simplifies the system uh, just by virtue of making it simple, even if it's an imperfect Uh, reform, it will generate some uh, gains in terms of activity and productivity for Brazil. So what are the main points of this reform that Congress passed on Friday? Well, the base, the, the, the base of the reform is you're, you're making it all the states and municipality taxes into one VAT system, which is value-added tax system and you had you so in Brazil you have a dual VAT because the federal taxes are also uh, being put together into a federal VAT so uh, the system the, the value added system, uh, tax system it's what basically almost every country uh, uses as their own tax system So not only it will be uh, the, the system will be way more simple for the companies that are already in Brazil that will probably not waste 
a lot of hours and especially money for paying taxes, but also you will have uh, you have a system that is more easily understandable and with less red tape when you're looking at it from a uh, foreign investor's perspective. So in that sense, you have uh, this this kind of gain, even if it's just by by virtue of a more comparable system than what we have uh, at this moment. Now, the reform, to be clear, is about simplifying the system, not reducing the tax burden, right? Yeah, and that's, that's the thing which, which is a very important uh, uh, this, the discussion. Uh, no, it's not, it's, not a, it's not going to reduce tax burden. Uh, it, may, it may reduce the burden of paying taxes, but not the tax burden. So, uh, because basically you're you're not you're not like you're not you're not removing the the sources of income which are going to be taxed. You're just uh, removing this kind of uh, asymmetry in the system in which you have a several several taxes but uh, overall the government is expecting that it will it will be like a zero that there will be a zero fiscal impact in this reform uh, in the sense that you will be charging uh, the same tax tax burden that as you do now it's just going to be way more clear for people how much tax they are paying as it is And you mentioned that this is the tax reform that was possible, but not a perfect tax reform. And I mean, it is understandable because changing a tax code is never an easy thing as it touches on the privileges of powerful groups. And I mean, this past few months, we have seen multiple sectors trying to get special treatment in the new system. Do you think Congress created too many exceptions to the rule? Well, uh, in terms of, um, if we're looking at this from an economic perspective, yes, they, they created a lot of, uh, of uh, uh, exceptions, which uh, every exception that is created, uh, it's, it's, it worsens the system because you remove some of the simplification for the overall system and uh, what is most glaring is that when you it's 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 basic mathematics so if you give some exemptions some benefits to some areas you're basically saying that the overall uh, public will need to compensate this so and this will be this will be seen when those tax brackets uh, are, are are finally set Uh, in the system, you will see that the overall bracket will be higher than what the government initially uh, expected and proposed, which was around the 25% uh, tax brackets. So it's going to be higher because you need to compensate for the, 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 the areas which are not, uh, are not going to be taxed the same. But at the same time, uh, so I mean, this is this is basically like a subproduct of lobbies, uh, sector lobbies, uh, and some uh, very powerful lobbies like the rural caucus in the Congress, which generated a lot of uh, um, exceptions for 
uh, agribusiness. But at the same time, you need to understand that uh, it's better to have uh, a change, even if it's uh, uh, not perfect and far from it, than uh, the, the, the system that we have right now. So if, you, if we consider that uh, the system we have right now is the Frankenstein monster, I think what was approved, if it's not like the the bell of the ball, at least is somewhat presentable. So I mean, it's a, uh, it's not as complicated and uh, as it was. So it's it's a gain nonetheless. You talked about the future VAT tax rate, which will be defined in the transition to the new system, and. You also mentioned that the government wished to keep it at around 25%. Now the finance ministry forces it at 27.5%, which would make it one of the highest, if not the highest in the world. But do you think it can get even higher than that? I think it's possible uh, because uh, the final calculations, after all the exceptions, will be will have to be made, and you have the the the, the some subsequent bills that are going to be voted uh, uh, next year, which are not constitutional amendments, but are bills that are going to make it uh, like regularize this this uh, the the full system that pass it so you, you need to have some views to actually define set those those uh, limits and brackets and how it's going to be uh, how it's going to affect the companies and how the the people are going to pay for the the taxes so it can be higher than 27.5 but uh this difference from what i i said the 25 that I mentioned, uh, which was the the what government calculated that for their initial proposal, to twenty seven point five. It's basically like this is the premium uh, that everybody's going to have to pay to accommodate for for the exceptions. Now the reform passed on December fifteenth, and I mean talk about passing consequential legislation at the eleventh hour. How important was it for the government to get the reform approved before the end of 2023? Uh, not only it's important because you, you you can already start like the second phase, which I mentioned, like the regular the the, the bills that are going to uh, to to really account, uh, regularize what was was passed. Not only it's 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 earlier than that. You have the government can. Uh, deliver a costly and and very hard to deliver uh, uh, reform, which uh, it's a flagship reform in terms of political for 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 the polit politicians involved in it, not only the government, but you can clearly mention the head of the lower house, lower house speaker uh, Arthur Lira, who really really worked to get this thing approved. Uh, in a smaller scale, you can mention the Senate and Congress president, also Rodrigo Pacheco. So it's a flagship uh, for for each one of them. It removes uh, a very tricky discussion from an election year, which is go we, we're going to have municipal elections next year. And for the government, it's also important because as soon as you you you, you pass this this year. 
there's one less uh, piece of legislation uh, that the law lawmakers will can use to extract some sort of pork barreling uh next year when you, you when like i mentioned municipal elections they would they are eager to get as much money as they can for their constituencies so it's uh you 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 remove one obstacle for next year in which they could uh they, you can say that they could sell uh they, they can uh increase the price of their votes So it's it's also for for a politic in, in a political standpoint is also important for the government to do this year, even if it was on the uh, almost and uh, at the end of the year, it's better than having to wait for next year, and also for for uh, for the investors looking at this as an perspective of invest uh, investments. People can be look and say, okay, we remove this uncertainty, so now we can have a better outlook when we're planning on on uh, putting funds into Brazilian economy. Now, talking about the investor perspective, it is important to remember that markets were freaking out when Lula won and when he named Fernando Haddad as his finance minister. The Lula administration did not create this reform, but made it one of its key policy goals for the year. I mean, the government chose Bernard Api, the main author of a reform proposal, to be its tax reform secretary. And the government also put its political weight behind the proposal. How much of a win is this for the government vis-a-vis -vis local investors who still frown upon Lula and his team? Well, uh, I think there is a um, there is an ideological uh, malaise in, in local investors regarding uh, this government, the, either because it's a left wing government or because it hails from a party that even if even if Lula, in his first two tenors, he was a, a more pragmatic in terms of economy. His successor was uh, really step 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 the foot on the gas of public spending to to the an unsustainable uh, level, which created the 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 worst economic downturn in two years that Brazil had in 2015 and 16. So uh, there was a, there was like I said there is an ideological. Uh, prejudice, but also uh, it's it was not just like there is also so the fact that is that the the party had a lot of miscarriages in the economy, so it's a uh, uh, mismanagement more than better than miscarriage. They they had a mismanage of the economy, so there was a sentiment that this could happen uh, all over again. The fact that they passed this legislation, uh, for a look, when you look at the investors' perspective, it's it's good for two reasons. Not just because it's going to make the system better and thus can uh, increase uh, the likelihood of investments and increase the productivity of the economy, but I think what's important when you look at this is that One, this is a government that, uh, having said everything that Lula says against uh, the market, 
uh, they, they, they can still be pragmatic and deliver on reforms. And especially they have the political muscles to actually pass legislation, which uh, when you look at the, 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 from an investor perspective, you need a government that's uh, somewhat functional. So they need to have proposals and they need to pass those proposals at Congress. So if, if this is just a, a, a stalemate between the government and the Congress, it would be, it would be bad for, from when, you, when you're looking at this. Uh, from an investor perspective, and but at the same time, you kind of are in the best of the both worlds when the government has enough strength to pass some some uh, economic measures, but at the same time, they do not have the enough strength to pass uh, the measures that would be seen that the, the investors will be frowning upon. So maybe it's like because the Congress is very fragmented and mostly uh, conservatively tilted. So it's a, I think it's a win-win situation when you look at an investor's perspective. And uh, those reforms kind of going go into that direction. So would passing the tax reform be a good omen for the government's relationship with Congress come 2024? Well, I think that's probably going to be the same moving forward. Uh, because it's uh, it's a like I said it's a fragmented Congress with a, a very defined uh, even if it's not like the majority of it it there, it is a, a Congress uh, the bias in the Congress it's really to the to the right while the government is a left wing government so uh, it's going to be an, a discussion of bill by bill I think so. Which, in a sense, it's not that bad, uh, even if the government, the, because even a Congress that was mostly conservative, but not as much as this one, was also a deterrent into a lot of uh, very uh, authoritarian moves from the previous government. So by, by all means, you can see uh, some sort of balance of powers, which is Good when you from every perspective, but at the same time, uh, playing devil, devil's advocate here, it 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 makes it very very expensive to 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 rule uh, the country in Brazil, and the Congress has been gaining a lot of uh, powers, which uh, if we're trying to look at them from a uh, longer uh, from from for the long term, I think there is a risk that this Congress may be too 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 powerful uh, to the point that uh, and we, we vote we usually, we tend to vote for the president in Brazil. The presidential system uh, uh, makes it that the majority of the population choose uh, one leader. But this leader doesn't have enough support to actually go through with important legislation. So uh, we, 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 it's almost like we have a, par a parliamentary system without having one, which uh, I don't think it's, uh, it's very difficult for the Brazilian people and the way that we vote in elections to understand 
that this is the way things are going. So it has a positive side, but it has a, a downside, which uh, I think it may be it may become harder for 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 anybody to to actually pass an agenda uh, moving forward. And we will certainly keep a close eye on that for the next year. Mario, thank you very much and happy holidays to you and your family. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Happy holidays and let's hope to have a, a great 2024, all of us. Mario Sérgio Lima is a senior Brazil analyst at Medley Global Advisors. He also writes op-eds for the Brazilian Report. You can follow his work on brazilian.report. And I'd like to thank our listeners for following us in 2023. Explaining Brazil will take a few weeks off, but we will be back in January 2024. However, you can still follow what's going on in Brazil and Latin America, as we will continue to publish original content every day on brazilian.report. Happy holidays, everyone, and Happy New Year!